Welcome to Healing Wisdom, a Thursday morning talk show featuring guests sharing their stories and knowledge. We discuss the healing aspects of the arts, metaphysics, social justice, and adventure through all types of terrain. So join me, Pandora Peoples, here on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. Mufarakato mate kuto kuto elewa sombinawa elewa kuto kundemawa mawa mawa elewa kuto kundemawa elewa sombinawa elewa kuto kundemawa elewa sombinawa elewa kuto kundemawa farakato mate the music of Afro-Cuban Ensemble Ocan celebrates their Afro-Latin heritage and the Cuban culture they grew up in. Their new album, Ocantomi, melts Afro-Cuban forms including Lakumi chants and rhythms with Cuban jazz. Lakumi is a Cuban form of the Yoruba religion which celebrates Orishas. Orishas are seen as saints or deities. It is related to the Brazilian Candonomble, Elizabeth and Magdalis. What was growing up in Cuba like? Were you immersed in Lakumi music and ceremonies? Yes, in my case specifically, I come from a family that has a long lineage of santeros or religion. It's called Santeria or Lukumi Regla de Ocha. It has different names or variations. And the reason why we, we named this album Ocantomi is because that is my religion's name. And once I got initiated, that's the name that I received. And it means Oshun's heart. Oshun is the goddess of the river and fertility and motherhood and all of that. At the time that we were doing the album, we were going through personal stuff like a miscarriage and trying to have a child. It was during the pandemic and all of that. We luckily had the child eventually, but in honor and being grateful to Oshun and to our saints and all of our gods, we are honoring them even more deeply in this album. Growing up in Cuba, there is music everywhere, all the time. Like even if your family might not be religious like mine, or in the case of Magdalis, that her family was more into the spiritual world, spiritism and, yeah. and energy, healing energies and all of that. She comes from variation. I come more from like the side of the santeria and the drums and tambores and all of that sound. And it was in the background. And music is there. Uh, and of course, it's part of us. It, it runs in our veins and we had to express and why we're expressing it in so many different ways. Because on top of that, we went to music school to be classically trained. So they basically strip out all of this folkloric side of us and put all the European music in us. And now as adults, we're healing and we're trying to put those things together. And that's what you have in the album. Yalote, ilate coyo, epuyo chare, yalote momolo, yu momori macadara, yalote lo siwa titileco a poro la yumu elegete ni fajo, a mamala osi su muñaca puyo lote milono re ireo, equifala fala la osio, equifala fala sireo dolore falate coyo, milabona de culache, milabona la quere pio chum, ore, ore yeyeo.
Elizabeth Rodriguez and Magdalis Sevigny were trained in classical music. With this album, they fully reclaimed their folkloric traditions. They worked with a lot of important Cuban musicians on this album. We have, oh my God, so many guests on this album. We have the core band, uh, which is Roberto Riveron on bass, a fantastic bassist from Cuba, from Ogin. We have uh, Jeremy Ledbetter. He is a great pianist from Canada, Toronto. And also work as a producer. He also worked as a producer, like with us, like along with us. So he co-produced the album. We have um, Frank Martinez is a great drummer, like very young, but very talented. And they were like the core band for the band. We also have as guests, we have Elmer Ferrer. He's an amazing guitarist from Cuba as well. We got Marta Elena, Daimero singer, Daimero Sena. We had Lara St. John on violin. I mean, yeah. Whoa, All I mean, friends. Cuevas, All um, friends. And Fong. Uh, I mean, a bunch of talented women and men who wanted to be part of this journey, like our latest album. And it, and it was um, amazing. Mostly women. Mostly women, yeah, mostly, <laughs> mostly women. But uh, also it got mixed by uh, John Biddle Bailey, which, I mean, he, he brought another side of us. Like, we're like, wow, amazing, like very talented as well. And what can I tell you? We really, really hope that people like this album the same way we do. <laughs> Elizabeth has always felt connected with water and nature through Santeria. The song she wrote for her Orisha, the river goddess Oshun, incorporates a chant that has special significance for her. I think for every culture and every country and for humans, water is the most essential thing, right? We all try to explain nature from the very beginning of our existence. And that is what our religion does, you know, trying to explain nature and respecting nature because at the, at the end of the day, that's going to be our only solution to heal this planet if we start respecting nature. And that chant, it was always very special to me and resonated with me. And I heard it when I was like very young, when I was like 14, 13 years old. And I always resonate. And then I go initiated when I was 15 years old. And I ask my, my friend, who is the one, the priest that is actually praying at the beginning of Oshun, Oriki Oshun, the song. So it was kind of like closing a cycle. Once you get initiated, you have to, you have to dance in front of the drums, right? In front of the bata drums. And I ask him because he was my, this is like family. I ask him to sing this chant because I really loved it. And he did in my presentation. It's called presentation. <laughs> And now, so many years later, I asked him to be at the beginning of the song, the album, having this prayer, saying this prayer for Shun. And it is a chant that when we decided to do um, an arrangement of it was because I was feeling really, really, really sad after having a miscarriage. And I was basically pleading Oshun for her forgiveness and, and help me carry a child and, and make it a successful pregnancy and have a child and all that. So it was kind of like honoring Oshun and an offering to her in this album and keeping it somewhere where it would last forever. Well, she gave me what I wanted, so it worked. Yes, it is a very special tune for us. How does a person find their personal connection with an Orisha or does an Orisha find them? I think it works all 
everywhere, every way, both around, ways. Both yeah. ways. Some people find it. Some people, some people are open enough to hear the signs because sometimes you have the signs. But if you're close, if you're upset, if you don't, if you don't take a time to look around and sit and center and and hear the universe talking, because I don't want to impose our religion in in anybody. We we always say that our religion is very open. And if you believe in Oshun, if you believe in the universe, if you believe in Buddha, whatever it is, still energy, still having faith. So I think as humans, what we should do is having faith and understand that there is a higher power than us, that we cannot be the highest thing in this universe. Okay. So as long as we understand that, I think those are the kind of friends I have. I want in my life, people that understand that there is a higher power. So you find healing in many different ways and you find the the gods and the energies that are going to help you in your specific life and circumstance. And you just have to sit quietly and listen and, and observe. But it's a calling. It calls you, uh, then you get picked <laughs> by the Odisha once you are ready. And you will know when you're ready. Things like circumstances, life is taking you through this path and you just decide. You you make the choice. And once you go there, that's it. There's no going back. But it like I like we said, it's very open. You can believe in anything and still be part of our religion. It's it's very it's about you, it's about uh how it's about nature, it's about your future, like how to Present yourself, how to live with yourself and respect and love yourself more than anything and being yourself. And the same, the Orisha says, like, I'm here for you no matter what. But this is what you have to do in order to do your, do you, do you. <laughs> That's it. And put yourself first and, you know, and try to help people do good deeds. Like the same, the usual that every religion usually has, but okay. it's. Mostly, but, you know, humans are the ones that make the choices at the end to be good or bad. So, yeah, but every religion should have the same. Do you feel your son is connected to an Orisha? I did. We did. I always thought it. he was Chango. You know, like Chango was his god. And when we actually did the ceremony, he did. There are two different ways to actually pick. A definite, you know, like a definite answer about your Orisha, right? So you can go to the priest, the Babalaos, where they have the divination uh, way of doing that and the reading, and then they will tell you. And for that real. is for real. And that is a definite answer. But there are other ways that with the, um, it's called caracoles, actually. I don't know. Sorry. You see these shells? Okay, so uh, there is a, a way of adivination through these shells, as like that too, and those are the obas. So it's like a, in a rank, Bawalao is here, obas are here, but they also have the power to do the adivination process, and they also can tell you who is your god and your your guide. So we did that for Orum, and I knew it was Shango. So they always ask the mother, like, who do you think? And I was like, I know it's Shango. And because we were talking about it for so long, the, the priest, the Ovalaos, didn't want me to get upset if the, that wasn't the case. I was like, you just need to know that it could be somebody else and you just need to be prepared. I was like, I know it's Shango. 
you don't have to tell me. And it was, in fact, there was no way there was another saint <laughs> that it was going to protect him. And, and I was very happy with it, but I was also, it was also nerve wracking because I was like, what if I'm, at that moment when he said like, you can, don't, don't get upset. That's when I was like, oh, what is that? If I'm wrong, but it doesn't, but it doesn't matter. It's like it doesn't really matter who it is. Like they are here for a reason. They got they pick you for a reason. Yeah, and you will be protected for somebody, no matter what. No matter what. Duele verte siempre sufriendo, esperando no morir en el intento de verte libre como el viento. Es mi sueño y no se está cumpliendo. Pasan los años y van quedando. Las pesadas huellas del desarraigo Lo que quieren todos los cubanos Es la libertad y sentirse humano Volvi addresses Okan's ambivalence about going back home because of the repressive Cuban government. Cuba has been under a dictatorship for the last 64, it's going to be 65 very soon, years. And our people are suffering. Our people are struggling. Our people have been 
suffering for all these years, different changes, different things, people, especially whoever speaks up, it can get in serious trouble to go to jail for just saying that they don't like the government or for a song like this. If we were to release a song like this in Cuba, we will go to jail. No. So now we're facing once the song comes out, we're facing the fact that we might not for real might not be able to go back to Cuba at all. And, um, and our people need help from the world because unfortunately we're so broken. There is no way we can fight. And one day, because for the longest time we were saying like the Cubans have to stand up and eventually fight. But the last time we were there, we realized that we actually cannot put together a regular demonstration against the government because people don't even have water or food to sustain a protest. Okay. So or they don't know how to do it. They just don't know how to do it. When you go out and you say like, I'm going to do this protest here and I'm not going to move. You have supplies (laughs) in order to do that. Cubans cannot do that. Okay. They will die and they will starve. So every time people ask me why they don't protest, they cannot even do that. And they, that's why we need help and we need the world to see what it really goes on, on Cuba, in Cuba. But when people go to a resort and don't even walk out of the walls of a hotel, they wouldn't find out. And the people that work there will never, they're never allowed to speak the truth. But we are coming with a documentary about it, explaining all of this. Once the song comes out, we still don't have no a date for it. But yes, the song is called No Volvi, which means I didn't go back. And there's going to be a documentary about it that we decided to go full on. What is it like being a Canadian Cuban immigrant? And then using the freedom of expression that we have now (laughs) in Canada, because now we call ourselves Cuban Canadians or like Lara Sanjon says, Cubanadians. Here, there is a lot of similarities in, when it comes to the government. Canada is very, very close friends with, with Cuba, uh, the Cuban government. But the reason of this song was specifically a rant about how Canada has a propaganda in the world that they're very welcoming and everybody can come to Canada and everybody's very nice. When in truth, coming to Canada is very expensive. Very for hard. whoever goes through the actual process of immigration and is very long process. It takes years and it takes a degree. They do not want people that don't have degrees here. So they want educated people. And once they come here, they are not allowed to work in those fields that they were asked to have the the documents. And you're like, what? So you they want to doctor, validate their you want a doctor, but then you make it really hard for the doctor to become a doctor here, or you want a nurse, but you make it really hard for them to become nurses. So that is a propaganda in the world that Canada has like, oh, we're very welcome and come here. Or also just you or you or you. So they pick <laughs> whoever they want. And, and then you see doctors and teachers and, and mathematicians and people working in McDonald's. And there is a joke now in Canada. They say, if you have a heart attack, better call a taxi. Because the taxi drivers are doctors more than the ambulance. So that says a lot about the system of immigration here. And I'm not even talking about the people. The Canadian people are very nice and welcoming. And, and it's true that they can help you. And there is a infrastructure 
for immigrants once they're here to settle and do things, but it is not as easy and it is not as nice. So what we're speaking up here is like, please don't sell yourself as this super nice person because you're not. So using freedom of expression now in Canada. Mm. We're still appreciating what yes. we've got here. and They gave us the money to the album. I mean, yeah. And we are very grateful, but now we have a responsibility as Canadians to make a better place. Yes, for immigrants as well, because this country was built on immigration. And why uh, it was so easier-ish before, and now it's harder on immigrants mm-hmm. uh, than they used to be. So now, like... Yeah, it's our responsibility. And yes, we have to say it. Uh, the fact that we are grateful doesn't mean that we have to be silent. Because <laughs> we come from that. No. Many of their family members are still in Cuba. She has her mom. Like, well, everybody is there. Mm-hmm. I barely have family outside of Cuba. Uh, well, I mean, now the family that I've created, but everybody else is there. So mm-hmm. it's like, it saddens me. Like, all my friends are there. Like, it, like this last time, I've, I haven't been in Cuba for 10 years before that. And going back, oof, it was painful. It was painful and sad. And I don't know, it's hard to explain, like, from my eyes, like, my perspective. It was it was hard. And and now, like what Elizabeth was saying about the protests and all that, those things are get extended to us here because here we've we've done many demonstrations, many protests uh, on the streets in Toronto and we don't know how to do it even here. And we found this. We had to. Practice, another, yeah. you know, we have to practice. We have, we find another, like we went out, like yeah, like down with the government, share whatever in Cuba. Don't go to Cuba. But we were things organized. like that. We weren't organized. We tried, you know. We we had numbers, so we had people, but we didn't know how to do it. We found this other protests, like from people from Iran, people, yeah, Iran, mm. Palestinians, like Chinese <laughs> people, uh, like protesting against their government. They had coolers. They had water. They had food. That like things like that. We're like, oh, we're so lost. <laughs> like we're even here, and we have no idea because we were brainwashed. We were. We don't have the tools. We, we don't have we, the tools. They took our souls from us and did whatever they wanted, and they left these empty shells who only do music. Well, I'm <laughs> glad we do music. At least, like we channel it through music. That's mm-hmm. why. We love music and dance in Cuba. There's nothing else. They cannot take that away from you. And they try, trust me. They try to take our religion. They try to take our music. They try to take our, like, everything we are. And I'm I'm so glad that now people are speaking up, like Cubans are speaking up. And people outside are asking direct questions Listening. about it. Because for the yeah. first time, like, it, we never get these questions directly. We used to have to say, oh, I am in Cuba, there's a dictatorship. Like a lot of people still don't want to talk about it. No, doesn't matter where they are. People's crazy, like we're crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, sure. Oh, Ken, you won the Juno Award for Espiral, a follow up to your debut album, Sombras. You have a son together. You've just filmed your documentary and it will be coming out next year. What's changed for you with this album, Oh, Ken Tomi? Growing up. 
as a human being. <laughs> you just have to grow up. Still growing. Uh, still growing. I'm pretty sure whatever comes next, it will be even heavier than this, or I don't know. But taking responsibility, taking responsibility of who we are, going deeper into the knowledge of who we are, um, working on ourselves in a personal matter very seriously, to doing therapy and learning things about us, about our families, about our ancestors. Uh, that's what took us into this journey of this album um, where we're just using every tool around us in order to share that with the world. Um, and, and we hope, honestly, we keep saying, <laughs> we're going to keep saying this because it's true. We're so happy with this album I'm so proud of us of what we did that we've never been in this position. Like we, before it's always like this fear, like, Oh, I don't know what people might think. We are at this age where we actually don't care what people think. We are happy and very proud deep in our core. And I know that our album will find people that will like it or, you know, or with connect with something, but we're not even expecting anything from it. We're, we're ready what we had to do we already said like okay this is good i'm happy this is for you like a baby to the world yeah take it or leave it but i am happy (laughs) and that is a position where we have never been before we have always been very nervous people can order okan's new album okan tomi on final record the album will be released on streaming platforms november 8th thank you so much for having us and asking very personal and Interesting questions. I love it. I wish every interview was. Thank you for listening. Yeah. You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also check out HealingWisdomRadioShow.com and contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org.